but now I'm in 110 countries. And it's, it's like, it's insane to me. The power of the internet and the power of a value exchange in your content. Because I'm not really doing this for me. I'm, hopefully someone listens and feels that there really is some true value because I'm asking you to spend anywhere between 20 and 45 minutes just listening to me and a guest talk about stuff. And time is precious. What you just heard here was my guest, Tony Dowsett, who talked about the power of the internet and how far his podcast has taken him. He's now in more than 110 countries and he has racked up more than 13,000 followers on Instagram. And he sh uh, shines the light on how his podcast has um, evolved over time um, in very short time, actually. And his podcast is about design and is about UX design also. So we talk about how you design a design podcast. So listen along. And this was a so inspiring and interesting conversation I had with Tony uh, a couple of months ago. So enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast about design and understanding who is it for, who is your design for, which is in some designs is often misunderstood. That's why we often end up with bad designs. But enough about the premise of the podcast. Today, we're going to be a bit more freaky. So I invited a fellow podcast host on, Tony Dowsat. Is that how you pronounce your last hey, that's name? That's close enough. <laughs> Dose. That's close Dose enough. Dosat. Let's get freaky. The Dosat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Who also runs a design podcast called Experience Design. I I think it was previously called XD Design Podcast or XD Design. Yeah, previously it was or... XD Podcast, and then I changed it. So let, let's just start by you, Tony, telling me a bit about why did you get into podcasting and why this specific area of podcasting, like um, design podcast? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on. This is a unique opportunity to um, be a guest instead of a host and it's interesting having the seats and mics reversed. Um, so I, so if we want to back up even a little bit more, um, my my journey into design was an interesting one, and I actually started as an actor, and uh, yeah, in when um, I was in New York City for a while, and if anybody's ever lived there or obviously heard of it, it's really expensive. And I was like, okay, I got to make some money. So I started a photography studio and then that, and I was always into arts, you know, Bob Ross is like my idol. And, um, so I started the photography studio and then I was like, well, what if I started some branding and started doing some websites too, and, uh, digging up my past of like doing fake logos and MS, you know, Microsoft paint and all this, um, and so then that just evolved into user experience. And then now where I find myself um, is in a role of an experience design strategist. And we all know that. I think you need to yeah. elaborate on what that is exactly. But <laughs> because I've noticed that, that these titles, job descriptions are very, very different from European, yeah. let's say, creative fields to the United States. Um, so please elaborate. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally feel you and it's nebulous here even. So this idea of a UX designer is <laughs> unanswerable sometimes besides like, Hey, we make things work well or whatever it is. So as a experienced design strategist, I don't do any pixel work anymore. Um, a lot of it has to do with understanding the client, understanding their needs, you know, really 
living in design thinking, um, especially in that first bit, the em empathizing and the second bit, which is the definition. Um, so then from there, we create like a North Star for the project, whether it's an app, whether it's um, how you experience a restaurant or a hotel from end to end, what does that journey look like for the guest? And sure, a lot of times it manifests in an app or in a screen, but a lot of times it doesn't. Um, so that's, that's my role at, at an agency here in Dallas, Texas. So then I thought, you know, I would listen to a lot of different design podcasts, and this is getting into answering your question. Sure. <laughs> and I, candidly, I suck at networking. It is like one of my biggest flaws is I'm a terrible networker. And it's interesting for some people because I do have an outward personality. You know, I'm very warm and welcoming and I can hold a conversation. However, as the instigator, especially around people that I don't know, it's really challenging for me. I'm the guy at a conference or a meetup who's just got like a gin and tonic in the corner chatting with a couple people I know as opposed to like reaching out. So with the podcast, it, I wanted to have the other thing. And by that, I mean, I have my day job. Luckily, it's at a place that is pretty well known and does some extraordinary work. And that was great to talk about. But having the other thing being the podcast really helped start conversations or at least keep them going after we got past the mm -hmm. whole, oh, yeah, I work for Bottle Rocket and I'm a XD strategist. So, yes, part of it is like leveling up my brand. Um, but also, I just love talking to people. And at the end of each podcast, I end it with stay curious, which is so impactful to me. And in talking with more and more people, people that I respect, people that have really put their stamp in the design world, is just leveling up my knowledge every day. And the minute we stop being restlessly curious is the minute we fail and not like a good failure, like the failure that just keeps you stagnant and resting on your laurels. Mm. So that's why I started. And I was like, hey, I listened to all these podcasts. Um, I'll give it a shot. And I thought I'd blend my past as an actor with the design field that I'm in now. And it's really kind of turned out to be an amazing journey and a shocking um, and humbling journey that in what is what am I on 47 episodes I think I started it I started at the beginning of the year and I'm in a hundred and yeah, you, you you pump out every week yeah, right? it's weekly it comes out every Tuesday and I, I that's a heck of a commitment right because I I started out doing like bi-weekly in two a month something like yeah. that and I think I'm scaling a bit back, but let's see. Maybe I can get it up to gear again. But so, so weekly, I I applaud you. That's 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 cool. Thank you. <laughs> and it, with a day job and toddlers and all this stuff, it it gets challenging. <laughs> um, and I actually started a different podcast in the middle of it, um, which which was oh. it was called Fuzzy Fables, and it was a podcast that was improvised stories for children based on listener recommendations. And I did uh, I did about six, I think. I did all the voices, I did the music, and it just, I had to sit down and think, how is this moving me closer toward my goals? And it wasn't. It was just eating up time, mm. and so I shut that down. And from then on, it just, the experience design podcast sort of taking off more and more because I had a new sense of focus. Let's just back up just a bit because you, you started your story out by you like just jumping into the creative fields um, in New York City. I just stumbled 
um, I just thought like, was that easy to get into the creative field? It sounded easy when you well because uh, I find it hard. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the the thing is, like I said, when I was a kid, I was always drawing and doodling and making fake logos and stuff in Microsoft Paint. But then I retired that passion um, as I got into acting. And then when I needed money, I was like, okay, let's let's problem solve how to make money. Um, there's all these actors. Actors <laughs> always need headshots. You know, headshots are the photos that you use at auditions. And I thought, well, shoot, let me get a camera. And <laughs> I know a bunch of people will just start there. And then it evolved into people they knew and the people they knew and the people they knew. And before I knew it, it was like, man, I almost have a full-blown headshot photography studio here. Um, and then from there, it was like, well, you know what? As an actor, you probably need a website. Uh, <laughs> and this was, I mean, before smartphones or like right when they came out. <clears throat> yeah. So the, the whole app thing wasn't in my in my mind or anybody else's mind for that matter. So I started doing websites and and then it just evolved from there. After that, I I moved to LA thinking I might try acting out there, but mm -hmm. two months in, uh, my friend and I started a online media company, um, which was a comedy website. And for those of you listening that know what The Onion is, um, it's like, mm. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like the it was like the onion but for entertainment news satire oh that's and it started cool. like that and it, it blew up you know two of it started with just two of us in a basement trying to be funny and in two years we had a hundred people in an office on sunset boulevard in los angeles and like it kind of exploded but we didn't know what the heck we were doing um so it was trial by error and really fast pace, like 12 hours a day. And then it all came crumbling down um, after that. So <laughs> um, that is, that's kind of when I pivoted and was like, all right, I loved the creative aspect of this startup, the digital properties that we were designing and the content and all this. So I came back here to Texas and I was a creative director for a restaurant tour for a while. And then I worked at different places as a user experience designer. And then of course now as the XD strategist. So okay. it wasn't easy. Cool. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't study no. it in college or university. Um, all self-taught and all, you know, uh, this, this whole idea of, uh, people saying, you know, how do I get clients if I don't have work or, you know, <laughs> how do I get a job if I don't have work? It's like you create the work and you learn it and you go door to freaking door and you say, Hey, I saw your website. Hey, I saw your logo and your branding. Here's just a concept I have. Can we talk? Can we talk <laughs> for 30 minutes? And by the end of the half hour, they're like, wow, wow, you're right. Uh, I could use a rebrand and I could use a website that actually works on a mobile device. So many door-to-door -door companies don't have that. And of course, when you're first starting out, they don't have great budgets either. But you don't need to be charging a whole lot when you're first starting out either. So I'm off the soapbox now. <laughs> no, 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 that's... So, so what is your, like, your background what, what what did you study? Acting. Uh, acting? Okay, okay. So and I, I, oh, okay. I, um, I took one summer course, even, it was way after college, it was like 10 years later, in um, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and I dropped out. I dropped out two weeks <laughs> in, and I was like, I just, my mind does not work that way. Um, and, and, and... I can't do that either. Uh, I had a course in... I think it was high school. I don't remember anything it, about it. It and takes now. It's so intuitive how you design websites. You, you don't even have to code or anything. So you yeah, don't need it. 
That's much. why I get on a high horse whenever, maybe not a high horse, maybe it's a soapbox again. Whenever, whenever people are like, <laughs> if you're a designer, you have to know how to code. And it's such BS. Mm. And yeah. uh, it, of course, it's good to have a knowledge of the constraints. But to me, you get that knowledge through having conversations and partnering with developers and understanding them just as you would understand a client or a user and getting that knowledge from them. So, so you're all in this together. So you're not designing yeah. this crazy stuff that's not going to be able to be written anyway. As long as you know your own limits, so you know who to go to yeah. and who to like, um, yeah, ask for the coding or the graphical design or, or whatever it is that that you are uh, unable to, to do. My so. theory is this. Uh, My theory is if we really are designing with the end user in our minds from the get-go and what they truly need to become a superpower of their day and solve their problems with delight, then we're not going to be designing this crazy stuff that nobody can develop. You know what I'm saying? Cra crazy stuff yeah, no one can develop yeah. is not simple. No, 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 no. And, and that's not something the end user knows that they yeah. want. So you can't design something crazy for people that they know that's they right. want because then it's just <laughs> an incremental des design solution or something like that. Um, you just touched briefly upon your podcast. Maybe you could talk a bit more about what is it to stay curious and what is your aim with the podcast and what do you focus on when you have guests yeah. on? So it's very interesting that when I first started the podcast, it's a completely different podcast than it is today. <laughs> that being said, it started as the XD podcast. And then I rebranded about 12 episodes in or 20 episodes in to experience design. And there's a few different things, which one is if I have to explain what XD is, then I'm not doing my job as a designer. And obviously the term experience design, you have to explain a little bit, but there's two parts to that. One is an experienced designer and the other is you're experiencing design with me. So I want it to feel very much like whoever's listening is sitting with me. And when I first started, I would do two interviews and then a solo show, two interviews and then a solo show. And the prep work for the solo show was a lot and I'd have to write it out. And I got to the point where I was like, it was, I felt like I wasn't being myself. Like I was trying to sound smarter than I am or whatever it is. So I, so I stopped doing that. And um, I still do some solo stuff on my IGTV and whatnot. And I might do some solo shows on the podcast again, but I found like the real value was in talking to other people. And it's the exact same with when you're designing. You can't design for yourself. And I feel like my solo shows were designing for myself. But when I was with another person, with them in a conversation, with them going through this journey of what we're talking about, the value increase for the listener was exponential. And the topics range and the guests range. And I didn't, when I started, I didn't want it to be just UX designers. I wanted project managers, product managers, UI, UX, um, scrum masters, authors, whatever it is, entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, because the way I see it, we all are designers and people get a lot of heat for saying that because I think it challenges their titles, but, oh yeah, <laughs> but, um, to me, there are aspects of our lives that are designed or that we choose to design. Most aspects of our lives we choose to design. How I set up this office, how I set up my living room, what kind of car I want, what kind of clothes I put my kids in. All of these things are designed. And I think that's a major thing. And the more 
people can realize that they are designers, that they are creative, it keeps them curious. And I think that leads to a more fulfilling life than saying, oh, well, I'm not creative or, I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, well, I'm not creative or anything, but, and then they, and then they lead with their sentence. We don't need a preface. Exactly. We don't need a preface. You are creative. Creativity is nothing more than interesting problem solving. Nope. And I just the other day had my uh, former professor uh, in creativity on the podcast where we talked exactly about what is creativity yeah. and and how to define it and and can you work with it uh, as a professional field and and you can uh, and creativity is so context based so you need as just as you said yeah everybody is creative more or less you just have to see it in a yeah. context and it's, we're 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 all, so, we're all yeah. born <laughs> endlessly creative i watch my i watch my toddlers yeah. with amazement and just just watching them has opened my eyes again even more and it is a fine line between how do you guide them and help develop their sense of uh, if I do this, this will happen and it's negative, or if I do this, this will happen and it's positive without them losing their creativity. And as a dad, I'm I sometimes struggle with that because it's like, well, if they're jumping from the ottoman to the couch, one, it's a little it's a little dangerous. So I don't want them to get hurt. But two, they think they can fly and they're Superman or whatever it is. So it's a fine line between, you know, helping them not hurt themselves and empowering that creativity. It is, yeah. Um, can you talk a bit about, because topic for the episode today is like how yeah. do you design a design podcast yeah. or it is an episode for 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 your podcast so what is your from start to end in an episode how do you come up with it is, is it just an idea uh, or do you see this type of guest you want to have on and then your idea blossoms or how do you go about it when i first or do we have a format that you stick to? Right. Or? When I first started, it was who do I know that would be kind enough to <laughs> spend an hour, spend an hour yeah. with me? Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, I would research where they came from, what they did, what their passions were. And then we would discuss that. Um, now, as it moved on, I was like, okay, I've, I've kind of drained the pool of people that I know in the area. There's always more, and I have some mm. more guests um, that will be in-house. But a vast majority now are overseas or out of state. Some are reached out from PR firms that are saying, hey, we'd love to have so-and-so on your show. I think they're a great fit. You could talk about X, Y, Z. And then I go and I research that person. I dig into their LinkedIn. I've sometimes I do a little thing on my podcast where I, I called LinkedIn stalker and I, you know, I stalk them and I see what they're doing. And then I use the power of Google um, to hopefully get really deep and creepy with my research. Um, <laughs> um, and then uh, if they ask for questions in advance, I'm happy to provide some as but I preface it with, listen, we might touch on this, we might not. I, I really mm. like to go where the conversation leads. And oftentimes I'll have a list of 10 things and we touch two of them because everything else we're just riffing on. And to me, that's very effective for my show, keeping it a lot more organic and not letting it be so tactical with the insights and, and a little more mm. uh, sometimes emotional, sometimes metaphorical. Um, 
because I, I feel like there are, the, as far as a tactical, insightful design podcast goes, we kind of have that covered in spades. But as far as getting down to the why, I felt like there was an angle I could do. So I really operate from that as to, hey, here's some insights you could take, X, Y, Z. If, you, if you're a new designer, do this. If you're a seasoned designer, do this. How do we go about cre creating you know, a, a, your design process? But behind that is the why. So I like to dig into why they started doing what they did, what mission they're on, what they're passionate about. And I edit all the episodes so it's not live without a net, as they say, because I want it, I want it tight and I want the audio on point. Yeah. And I and I want to design I wanted to design it in a way that when my first episode hit, or the first few hit it sounded like i'd been doing it for a while which i didn't know what the heck i was doing so i wanted to weave in some music bring it in and out you know match it with the emotion of what they're saying is it is it this really cool innovative thing they're saying I would, i'll tie it into like some chimes going on and if they start getting a little emotional talking about their family i'll weave in some like violins and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and so I think part of that was was um, the, the the acting background again. You know, creating creating feeling through or or at least bolstering what they're saying with music and editing it in a way that's doesn't dilute the conversation but helps it move along. And it's been a learning curve. It's been a real learning curve getting the levels right because that is a mess and a disaster. Getting the mics right. I just switched my mics up. Um, and Yeah, I can see you use the Rode. It's the Rode Rode, Rode mic, right? Pod mic. And it's the new it's the new kit yeah. on the block. Yeah, I've seen that one. I have my eyes on it. Um right now I'm using a Zoom H4 in Pro. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it's just as a portable, so you can put your road mm -hmm. mic in here if you want. Yeah. And my levels might just have gone up. <laughs> <They're right there. laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, but but do you still put that much effort in editing each episode and putting this atmosphere in, uh, so so the listener gets what you want to. Epis on unfortunately <laughs> yeah is it very time consuming because i i find it very time consuming to edit it's not my my forte um and i come from more of a graphical and, and photography background so audio wise i'm not that uh, experienced yeah. so it's a new feel for me as well. I mean, I had to learn so freaking much about audio and what software you need. <clears throat> and yeah. YouTube is your friend, right? <laughs> YouTube is the YouTube yeah. is life changing. And that's not to tangent again, but real quick. If you want to learn something, yeah. you can freaking learn it on YouTube. Anyone who says, well, I don't have the experience on this get the freak on YouTube and instead mm -hmm. of watching something on Netflix or watching something on Hulu or Amazon Prime, live inside YouTube and Medium and all of these places yeah. and you will get the knowledge. Anyway, sorry. No, 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 that, that's totally right because I'm more or less self-taught in the whole um, Adobe Creative yeah. Cloud apps. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say this, but... I have probably stolen more Adobe products in my life back in the day, in like the early two early two thousands, because it was like how much money, and that's when all the torrent places were so hot. It's like man, Adobe PS five, riffing that. Um, anyway, but it was so expensive to buy a whole. That was awful back then. Yeah, and now we. You have it on a subscription, so you don't notice that much that it's still expensive. Yeah, but yeah. switching that model was, was really smart. At any rate, yeah. um, getting back to your question 
on audio and whatnot. Yes, I still put in all the time, mm -hmm. the editing, and around it, I create content for my Instagram. I don't just advertise the podcast, you know? I create sliders from it or quotes from it, um, IGTV from it because I, I capture it and I, I... I must say your 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 Instagram posts on point, I love the, like, the diversity, but still the similarity to your feed in color and, and schemes. I, so, so I very much appreciate well, that when you post. So <laughs> <laughs> I can see how much effort uh, uh, and, and thought that goes into each post and how it fits together with just the rest of your feed and your your like visual identity. So that's that's well, yeah, I, that's something I, I noticed I, a lot. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> so. that. Because if you think about the end user or the listener, they may not get to me through iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts, whatever it is. I have to consider all the it's... places where the journey mm -hmm. or where where they discover it might start, just like you would when creating an app or anything like that. So you want that brand to be visible in all these different places and on point and streamlined. So all these things mm -hmm. you have to consider. And if I was just advertising the podcast by itself and not creating other content, then it would just get old and boring. And it's like, okay, I get it. You have a you have a post every Tuesday, so it takes a it takes a, a heck of a lot of time that I didn't anticipate when I first started, but I also didn't anticipate having the reach that it's had when I first started. I mean, I'm dumbfounded. You you've exploded right? I'm, <laughs> on I'm, Instagram, right? You you're eight k on right? Instagram at time of recording right now. It's eighty five hundred. But some, you know, some people do like 85,000 in a year. So it hasn't been, my goal hasn't been, how many Instagram followers can I possibly get? My goal was a thousand this year. And I have pulled back some because it started to feel um, like I was getting spikes in followers because I was following trends of carousels and whatnot, uh, which it mm. serves its purpose, but I don't want followers that aren't real and true and connected with what's going on um, on my feed. They don't have to be listeners, but at least some sort of value they're getting and not just following for following's sake. No. So when you said you didn't set goals for, for say, yeah. Instagram, do we have it in your mind for like listening numbers or? Yes. So when I first, you don't need to say oh, if, no, no, if you no. don't I, want to, but 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 just I, I just fully transparent. That's one of the things I really value <laughs> in people is full transparency and being candid. Because if we don't do that, then all we then we just assume things and we start we start saying okay, well that number equals success or that number equals success, and it's not the case. So when I first started. My goal for year one was a thousand followers on Instagram, true, dedicated followers on Instagram, a thousand listeners a week on the podcast, and 50 episodes once a week. And then I had guests mm -hmm. that I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I got so-and-so? And a couple episodes ago, I had Chris Doe, which he was on the list. When I first started, I was riffing with my wife and I was like, oh, I'd want him, 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 her, her, her. Um, and I have another one who's coming up, opening the, the 2020 out. I'm not going to give it away, but it's it's a big, no, no, it's a big guy in the <laughs> UX that has inspired me from day one. At any rate, so I had some goals, but they were a little arbitrary in numbers because I didn't really know. So right now... Uh, we're at time of recording is about November ish. It it sits anywhere between twelve hundred and eighteen hundred a week. So wow. impressive. So this idea that people are like, oh, I'm I'm gonna get money doing this. 
you have to have insane numbers, like 10,000 plus per week to really get any sort of crazy sponsorships. So making money doing it was never one of my goals. It was always a nice to have. And luckily I have a Patreon that I have a couple people on there. I think I have five, six people on there and it pays for the hosting and it pays for like the website hosting and the RSS feed, things like that. And it's great. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's right now it's paying for itself. And from there, but I, from there, it, it, it has bolstered my name, at least in the city, you know, cities where I live. And I got a speaking engagement from it at a conference here. And I hope to do more speaking engagements. Again, blending the past world of an actor with the present world of a designer. And I, I recently did a lecture at a college here, which I never in my wildest dreams thought I would do. Um, and I ended up loving it. <laughs> um, so, the, so the thousand on Instagram, you know, I did a lot more than that. And then the thousand listens, although arbitrary, I did a little bit more than that. Countries wide, countries wise, I didn't even know. I, I had no concept of who would be listening to this besides like my mom and some people here in Dallas. But now I'm in 110 <laughs> countries and it's Yeah, I saw your post for like the 100 like, country and it was like, what? <laughs> it's insane to me. The mm. power of the internet and the power of a value exchange in your content. Because yeah. I'm not really doing this for me. I'm hopefully someone listens and feels that there really is some true value because I'm asking you to spend anywhere between 20 and 45 minutes just listening to me and a guest talk about stuff. And time is precious. So if I'm asking you to give me 45 minutes a week or 30 minutes, usually it averages a week, I better get you some damn good content and it better sound good, it better feel good. And if it doesn't, I'm going to lose that person, which if that person isn't feeling that there's value, they should unsubscribe. I'm very transparent about that. If you don't find value in what you're listening to, get rid of it because I want you to have the time that you have on this earth used in a way that benefits you. So not many content creators say, listen, if you don't find value, unsubscribe immediately. But I truly feel that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's—I think it's something you can sense when when you hear yourself talking. Um, uh, when I hear you talking, you really mean it. You put um, meaning behind your words, and and I think I appreciate that as well uh, when I when I listen to well, you. Well, thank you. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I had another thought about just like monetizing this whole podcast thing. Is did, did your thoughts about that come, did you have any thoughts about it in, in the beginning or was it mainly just let's see where this goes and, and, and let's just write it out? <laughs> uh, it, it was definitely, let's just see where this goes. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's been, it's been evolving and sometimes I, I find myself questioning whether or not to keep doing it. And I think that's part yeah. of just burnout or whatever it is, because it is, it is the extra. <laughs> oh, the bus word yeah, burnout, it's, right? <laughs> it's the extra thing in my life yeah. that isn't bringing in no. like substantial money. So it is truly, but it's bringing, it's bringing in value, in value. Right? So then you have to go, how long does the value last? before I've gotten all I could get out of it, potentially. And then I go, what am I saying? This is so great doing this. I'm meeting all these people. People are liking the show. Why would I even think about stopping it? But it's, you know, it's real that, you know, you have those feelings. Um, mm -hmm. and, and especially because each episode 
so I, it's an hour to record, an hour and a half to edit it down, and then probably... Oh, you're fast. <laughs> <laughs> I have Yeah, my episodes are, are 40 to 50 minutes long, and then sometimes it takes me two hours, two and a half to, to I, edit it down. Yeah. That's how it started for me, but then yeah. I, I, I have a formula yeah. now of like, this is the music I'm going to do, and while I'm listening to the conversation with a guest, I'm going, okay... Here's how I'm gonna craft it this way, and I okay. I'm like okay, great. They're they're riffing on this. How do we bring this in? And I start editing it in my head as we go, which is not something I originally did. But you have to if you're gonna start saving time because it it will eat your time away. And then the Instagram content is another hour and a half. So that's what six hours on just one episode per week <clears throat> and that's not counting do we do it all in one sitting or do we do it spread over a couple of days for example like tomorrow's episode i'll be editing tonight <laughs> oh okay and i and i was like man i should i should edit more and then just schedule them out which i did once and it was amazing i didn't have to think about it it just yeah. was released but then like you know life comes up and your job and your kids and whatever it is i found that not to be a viable solution for me um i have a i think a seven or eight episodes in the bank but i haven't edited them out in the future so, <laughs> so i you what, what i usually do is just edit them three four days yeah. before and then make all the content for instagram and stuff like that but it starts yeah. to i've tried i've tried to like be like up, um, yeah, and like schedule them out just as you. But I don't know. It's it's sometimes too much work, and then <laughs> it's a heck of a yeah. lot of work if you're gonna be editing. And it, like I took a, I took like a three week break, focusing on this talk I gave at a conference, and so I edited it out three in advance, and it was a pain to do it all in a day or a weekend. I took doing it. But then it was such a relief every week because all I had to do was create the content for marketing the episode. So it's, but then it's like, it's like buying books and having them on a bookshelf. And you're like, I want to read that one. And then you buy another one. It's like, oh, I should buy that one. Then you've got a hundred books and you haven't read any of them. And you're like, Ugh, I got to get to at least one of those. <laughs> yeah, but it is always like, there's always certain aspects of of projects that one might not enjoy that much and one of them is maybe planning and ed editing it's out thing. <laughs> i thought about yeah like maybe a couple more patreons come on board and getting you know an intern in college that wants to major in like radio television film or broadcast paying them a little something to edit it i don't know it all depends on how the growth is next year mm -hmm. so just maybe bringing it back to some of the social content because one of the the key things i want to just touch upon is how important is cover uh the, the covers for for the episodes in your opinion and do you make them for the rss feed i don't do any cover art besides the main podcast no. um cover art and I actually don't know many that do. <clears throat> um, that is to say, it could be beneficial. I've just never done it or seen the value in it. I would rather create a post for social media like LinkedIn or Instagram that pulls a quote from it and has the picture of the guest or the title of the episode, whatever it is, and market it that way. But for me, no, I've, I've never made individual episode cover art. Because you can do that. You can like upgrade your RSS, you can update your RSS feed. Exactly. But I, I started out doing that, but I just recently sh uh, shifted just to my yeah. normal, like, yeah, cover. Because for one, it was too much work and I don't know how to like analyze the effect. I get on it, so so I don't see if it's well. And can 
if it has that, that yeah, of an impact. Do you listen to a lot of so, podcasts? Yeah. So I do too. And only some of them have uh, <laughs> special uh, cover episodes. I can't episodes. name one that I'm subscribed to that do it. I'm sure that... No, either can I, but, but, but uh, I can visually see them for my eyes in, in my feed of, of podcasts that they are different for every time. So I have to look at the name every time. So it's actually a bit annoying yeah. now yeah. think about it <laughs> because you don't get any like... Um, Imagine yeah. <clears throat> similarity. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. So imagine, you know, Starbucks. I'm sure they have Starbucks where you are, right? Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> Starbucks now can change their cup when it's the holidays or whatever they want to do. And there are certain themes you see and you still know that it's Starbucks. However, when Starbucks first started out, if they were to change their theme of their cup without having that big old green logo on it, people wouldn't know that it was necessarily from Starbucks. So I think if you're a really well-known podcast, it's not going to hurt. It might even help in some cases. But if you're not that well-known, you have to have that consistency because the more and more people subscribe to podcasts, they have to see your cover art and it needs to click like, oh yeah, that one, in my opinion. Mm. I think you're right. Um, so I hope my changes will have an impact. <laughs> um, and that brings me on to something just as important mm -hmm. titles, how clickbaity should they be or should they not be? And how do you make engaging titles? Titles are one of the hardest things. The hardest thing for yeah. me is the episode description and the episode summary. <laughs> Oh, I hate that. <laughs> and I used to think a lot about titles and about, okay, I need to get some keywords in there like design or UX or whatever it is. And then I stopped doing that more and I thought, what is the key theme of this episode or the apex of the episode? Like in that moment right there, what is the theme? And I try to capture that in the title. And of course, it needs to be uh, catchy. You know, we want people to listen to this stuff. But I have not found any correlation between my number of downloads and the title of the episode. Period. End of story. No correlation. I have seen more correlation. Okay. Take notes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen more correlation between if the guest has more of a name on social media yeah. that those numbers go up a little bit not a crazy amount different but substantial no sometimes i i find that actually a bit of a strange thing because if i had a couple on who has big numbers on social but it, it hadn't like boosted that much of the listenings so it's hard to get new people i find to listen yeah. that aren't they don't know your podcast. It's, um, it takes yeah, a lot of just takes a lot of time. Yeah. I, I don't know hmm. what I did to have the you know moderate growth that I've had this year. Um, besides besides consistency, consistency and <laughs> never missing a week and putting stuff out there and creating creating content besides just this audio format that's all i can think about what's done it um so i think you create engaging content let's say right because because you invite people to engage with your content which makes it a bit more um let's say fun to look yeah. at i don't I, you know some people might just listen and some people might listen and follow me on Instagram, but either way, titles, you know, you, just like anything, you have to make it at least a little sexy. And what I've started to do is it's this started with, uh, who was it? Tom Ross. Was it Tom? I forget who it was. Maybe it was Christo. And I said, 
because there's always two there's always one question i ask every guest and that's the same for at the end of every episode and then i thought let me add another one which is what would you title this episode and it's after we've had the whole conversation and luckily i edit the episode so i cut out the entire pause where they're thinking for two and a half minutes um but sometimes it's like oh that's perfect I'm like you just did my job yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> and we I can see we have hit the 50 mark. So I would just like to ask you what would be the what is the most important thing when you design an episode in your mind? The most important thing to me when I'm behind the mic and I have a guest who's spending an hour with me from somewhere in the world, from some state, wherever it is. It could be really late, could be really early, middle of the day, middle of the work week, weekend, whatever it is. That when I'm talking to them, I want it to be open, honest, candid, and I want them to feel like this hour is the most important hour of my week and certainly of my day without that i don't think you can have genuine conversations or a genuine episode and without that i don't think you can have engaged listeners that find value in your content so that's what i would say and i think you We'll get the last word. So thank you very much, Tony, for joining me on the podcast. That was very insightful and I enjoyed it very much. Well, thank you. I love what you got going on. I think it's really cool that you're doing the multilingual angle and I wish you endless success in this and keep at it. Mm -hmm.